All right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us on this one week, less than a week now, before Yom Adin, before Rosh Hashanah, the day where all of us stand in judgment before Kadir Baruch This This is something which each of us needs to take note of, as if you haven't already, but you begin to feel it in the air now. You can feel the change coming in the, in the climate, as if you're a Zecher, fortunate enough to live in a temporal climate like we do, I guess if you're in a uh, non-temporal climate, you begin to feel it in other ways, with the sound of the shofar and through the slichus and everything like that. But, you know, when we stand before Kaddish Baruch we're judged on that day the way we are at that moment, which means it's a very propitious time. The Matas Yalasalamu, like I once said, I remember hearing him talk about this in Lakewood, that one of the differences between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is that it's kind of like a photograph, Lahabdul. But really it is if you think about it, but two different types of photographs. When a person stands on Rosh Hashanah before Kaddish Baruch Hu, we're standing as though it were a photograph being taken at a simcha, the chasna. You know where you may have uh, not felt so hot that day, but now you're getting all dressed up to go. You're putting on your best, you're looking your best. That's the way you were at that moment, no matter what preceded before. Rosh Hashanah is kind of like that photograph, the way you want to be at that moment. You know it's a special, a very, very special time and a special moment, and you want to look your best and be your best. And that's how Hashem judges us. Just because we want to be that way at the moment, because we recognize that He's the Melech, and there is eternal importance to that. Yom Kippur is a bit like a different type of photograph, and uh, this is something I can tell you, I can tell you I know firsthand. Many of you do, right? And that is, of course, an x-ray. An MRI goes right through you. Right to your core, there's no external trappings that stand in the way. It's only who you are and what you really are. And that, Kadir Baruch sees, but he also sees what you want. What you want to be. Who you can be. That goes into accounting also kind of like that x-ray, but they're all taken into account. So I hope that all the uh, all the moments that add up from one year to the next to the next and every moment from every year that we've, we've lived from the moment that we were born and the moments that Hashem will grant us to the moments that He takes us. So we all hope that we're going to live to 120, but you know, life at its longest is short. It's a limited time offer, Right. We want to make the best of it. We're not just going to Russia and negotiating the terms. What kind of deals can you make for me? What am I going to live? Am I going to live in this world, in the next world? So, first of all, let me begin with a tefillah for all of us. I wish you, you and your family and your friends, that everything that you wish for yourself, in terms of serving a Kaddish Baruch that he'll fulfill for you, whether it's health, whether it's parnasa, children, family, shaduchim, whatever you're missing, my prayer to you, my tefillah, to all of us that are listening to this, that a Kaddish Baruch will send you in beautifully gifted packages, both surprises, things you might have anticipated, but certainly things you didn't anticipate, all the wishes of your heart that are that are pointed towards serving him, the Bodhisattva that are directed 
for being the best that you can be in order to serve him. I, I, I give you my brother that that's what should be fulfilled for you. Shouldn't have to come on to anybody. Should only be totally independent, independent on a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And I and I think, as Rabbi Simcoe Cohen pointed out to us, one of the most important things that we can do, if not the most important thing on Rosh Hashanah, is to say thank you to Hashem. We acknowledge that He's the King over the universe and over our souls, of course. But to acknowledge all the good that He's done for us, and to just keep going, keep saying thank you, thank you, Hashem. Each of us has that unending list. I'm very touched by the person who called last week, a woman who. He's in a wheelchair, uh, a very fine person who called and said that she wanted to thank her home attendant for having such a wonderful home attendant to be there. And I think that that acknowledgement, something as simple and basic and as fundamental as that, is something that each of us can learn from, right? Every one of us has somebody to be thankful to or thankful for. And, you know, if we don't thank those people that do good for us, Ultimately, a person will deny that a Kaddish Baruch does good for them. So we should start by thanking the people around us. We did this before. I'd like to do it again. I want to give everybody here the opportunity. You'd like to call us today and express a thank you, a chorus of to anyone for what they've done. You don't have to mention the name or mention your name if you don't want to be on the spot. But just to make that acknowledgement, share it, and motivate other people to say thank you. I want to say thank you to the people of Jeru, to Iran, to um, Eason, and to all the people there, all the people who volunteered, all the people in the listening audience who provide us. Of course, it's a Kurdish war who provides us with the opportunity, but who act as the conduits for this opportunity. After all, that is what we are here for, not to toot our own horns and not to glorify ourselves, to aggrandize ourselves but only to say thank you to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. and thank you to those people that are the conduits, the pipelines for his bracha. Our line here is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. This is Perez B. Eichler. I want to thank you for joining us here today. We've got a number of good things to talk about and try and get ourselves ready for the Yom Adin. Every day now we can fix up something in the previous year. So important, so beautiful, so exhilarating. You know, when we think about all the things that transpired this year, that were geshriven last year, that were written last year, those who were successful, those who took turns that were downward, those maybe are not here in this world now. Every one of those things, every one of those people were written last year. So we need to be mindful of how every heartbeat that we have is in the Kaddish Baruch's hands. And that, that should give us tremendous exhilaration. These are days of awe. We rejoice with trembling. As the Chazanish said, we have to learn to live with paradox. How do you rejoice with trembling? Because we know that Avinu Malkeinu, Avinu is our, our father, our king. He can do anything. And when we rely solely, totally on him, recognizing that he is the king, not only of the entire universe, but of our souls as well. Then we come to a beginning of a recognition of what it means to say, Hashem, you are the Melech. Hashem Melech, Hashem Malach, Hashem Yimlech Le'elam Ved. We love you, Kaddish Baruch Hu. You are a Melech. We will not be thwarted by weapons of mass distraction. We will not be thwarted by those who claim that they have the truth 
and only attempt to purvey Sheker. We will not be thwarted by those even with our own ranks that attempt to use the Torah Kedoshah for things which are their own agendas, those a few are far in between, but we will not be distracted by them either. We will not be distracted by anything or anyone that attempts to pull us away from our pure avoidus HaKadosh to you. So what I want to tell all of you is that each and every one of us has amazing potential, remarkable potential, to be something great. You don't have to be the Chazanish, you don't have to be Sarah Schneider, you only have to be your own wonderful self. You have so much to offer, so much to give, so much to achieve, so much to accomplish. Yekadosh Baruch will help each and every one of us to do that. There's a tiller that Rabbi Yisrael Salanta says never goes unanswered. When a person says, Hashem, help me to be everything I can be. Help me to be, think, be everything I could be, because what you want from me, Hashem, I also want. I want you to say that over with me now, wherever you are. Hashem, help me to be everything I could be. Help me to be everything you want me to be. Because what you want from me, Hashem, I also want. That tiller says, Rabbi Yisrael Salanta, never goes unanswered. That means when you say that, we're asking Hashem to help you reach a potential. Him. All right. Parents B, a.k.a. the Reb, the Reb of the cause, licensed by the state of awareness to live life to its fullness. Hi, how are you? With Parents B? Yes, yeah, shalom, Good morning. Shalom. Good morning to you. Shana Tova. Hi. Hello. Good morning. You're talking to me? Okay. Okay. Yes, we're uh, waiting to hear from you. How are you, Shana Tova? You give me chance to think... Uh, first of all, I thank Hashem because really, really, really million times thanks Him because I always owe Him through all my life. He gives me good parents, good brothers and sisters, and good my family, my children and grandchildren. And I want to thank who works in the radio because since they started, I don't listen Russian radio. This is my lifetime and I listen to uh, lectures and music, and uh, God bless all of you who work, who created this center, and God should write down you and yours in the book of life for beautiful, healthy, peaceful, wonderful, wonderful year and years till 120, each one of you. God should save Amen. Israel, God should save Kul Israel, and we should have really, like, live... Uh, that we have to make happy our Hashem as, a, as our Father in, in heaven. Thank you. Amen. God bless all of Amen. I would like Thank if you. you would just, um, if you would leave your number with Iran or, uh, or call my hotline after the show, 848-221-4605, 848-221-4605, tell us your name and where we can send you something just to say thank you for being such a wonderful listener and for sharing those beautiful thoughts with us. Shana Tova, Ksiva Siva Tova, to you and your Gansu Mishloka. Thank you for that beautiful call. Thank you, thank you. God bless all of you. Hi, this is Terrence P., the Rev. How are you? Good morning. There's a beautiful story, and I'd like to read it to you. It was written by somebody who, at one point, must have been from. The story is definitely from. And he was somebody who... I guess um, it was one of those Yiddishists that that was steeped in Yiddishkeit but kind of got lost along the way. But 
I have a feeling he came back along the way. If you listen to the story, you'll understand what I mean. And the story itself is magnificent. The story itself is one which should give us a little bit of an insight into these days of law. And then I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. All right? You can reach me at 718-683-5858. Wherever you are, if you're driving your car, I want to pull over to listen to this, or after you listen to it, pull over. If you're in your kitchen or you're in... Uh, Wherever you are, in your room, wherever you are, or you're walking down the street with with headphones, I'd like you to listen to this and then tell me your reaction to it. it uh, it's a story which was written by I.O. Parrott. It's called If Not Higher. I have read it before, and I find it very meaningful, and I'd like to know what you think of it. And then we're going to come out with some, hopefully, even more amazing thoughts to help us get ready for these beautiful Yemen Naroyim that are ahead of us, these glorious, wonderful days with a smile in her heart and tears in her eyes. Early every Friday morning at the time of the slichas, the penitential prayers, the rabbi of Nemerov would vanish. He was nowhere to be seen, this rabbi of Nemerov, neither in the shul or in the two bati medrashim, or even had a minion. And he was certainly not at home. His door stood open. Whoever wished to go in and to stay there and wait for the rabbi could go in and go out. No one would steal from the rabbi, but not a living creature was within. Where could the rabbi be, the rabbi of Nemirov? Where should he be? Well, perhaps in Shemayim, no doubt. You know, a rabbi has plenty of business to take care of just before the Yom and Arroyim. Yidin, Heligi Yidin, Hashem should bless them. Need Parnassah, Shalom, Shalom, Bayez, Gesund, and Shaduchim for the kids. They want to be pious. They want to be good. But sometimes the errors are so great. And in this sudden, he just watches the whole earth from one end to the other. What he sees in reports, he denounces in forums. Now, who can intervene for us? Who can help us? If not the rabbi, to bring us closer to the Rabbanshuim, who is our ultimate and only help. Well, that's what the people thought. Where's the rabbi? We need his help. Well, once a litvak came, no, he wasn't a chassid. A litvak, and he laughed. Ah, <laughs> oh, you and your rabbi, he said. Ah, oh, you know the litvak. They, uh, they're not so much in favor of, uh, you know, the chassidish, even though we know that we love everybody. Every litvak loves really every yid. But this litvak was really a litvak, and... He didn't really hold from the Rebbe too much, and he came and he laughed. What are you worried about where the Rebbe is for? He said, come on, he's probably learning Gomorrah somewhere. And the Litvak said, everybody has to go and learn at this point, so why shouldn't the Rabbi? Why, everybody, everybody is learning now. What are you worried about where your Rebbe is? Where is the Kishriven that even Moshe Rabbeinu didn't it say that he went to the heavens, to the Shemayim during his lifetime, and that uh, he remained two and a half feet below? So he was kind of saying that, don't worry where the Rebbe is, he probably went, went up to the Shemayim. Of course, he was saying it tongue-in-cheek. But we weren't so sure. Well, where could the rabbi be, anyway? Where could be the rabbi? Well, that's none of my business, said the Litvak shrugging. And all the while, he said, well, you know, I wonder where their Rebbe really is. After all, 
It is unusual for him not to be here. That same night, right after Marius, the Litva steals into the rabbi's room, hides in the rabbi's bed, and he waits. I'm going to find out where this Rebbe goes. Let's see what he's up to. He'll watch all night and discover where the rabbi vanishes and what he does during the time of sleekers when everybody else is in shul. Well, somebody else might have gotten drowsy and fallen asleep. Nope, but not this Litva. He said a whole Masechta of Gomorrah Balta. And, almost a Shachar, he hears the call to Tefillah. The Gavini crew is coming. The Vecher, calling everybody. Slichos, Shachris, Shis, Slichos, Slichos, Kintadav and Ali Yidin. The Rebbe's been awake for a long time. The Litvak has heard the Rebbe groaning for a whole hour. Whoever has heard the Rebbe of Nimr have grown knows how much sorrow for all of Kal Yisrael, how much suffering lies in each groan. The Rebbe understood that. A man's heart might break in hearing the Rebbe sigh. Ah, but a Litvak is made of iron. He listens and remains where he is. The Rebbe fell on the lab and long life then lies on the bed, and the Litvak is under the bed, waiting and watching. Then the Litvak hears the beds in the house begin to creak. He hears people jumping out of the beds. They're saying Yiddish of water, pouring, pouring Nagelwasser. Doors are banging, closing, opening. Everybody's left. Again, it's quiet and dark. A bit of light from the moon shines through the shutters. Afterward, the Litvak admitted that when he found himself alone with the rabbi, a pachad noira came hold of him, a great fear. He had goosebumps across his skin and the roots of his... It was payas. They they stuck at him like needles. Oh, just a just a trifle, no doubt. To be alone with the Rebbe at the time of Flechus. No. I, I must see what he's doing. And he quivered like a fish in water. Like the fish quiver at the beginning of El trembling before the Yamadin. Finally, finally the Rebbe Tsalanga Yom arises. First he does what befits a year. Then he goes to the clothing closet, washes his hands before, of course, Nagelvass, and takes out a bundle of, of what? These are not the Rebbe's clothes, they're peasant clothes. Linen trousers, high boots, a coat, a big felt hat, a long wide leather belt studded with brass nails. The Rebbe gets dressed from his coat pocket, dangles the end of a Heavy peasant rope. Indeed, what is the Rebbe doing, wonders the Litvach. The Rebbe goes out, and behind him, unbeknownst to the Rebbe, or so the Litvach thinks, follows the Litvach. On the way, the rabbi stops in the kitchen, bends down, takes an axe from the bed, puts it into his belt, and leaves the house. The Litvach trembles, but continues to follow. What indeed is the Rebbe up to? The hushed dread of Yemen Royam hangs over the dark streets. Every once in a while, a cry rises from some minion reciting the Slichas. Or from a sick bed. The rabbi hugs the sides of the streets, keeping very close to the shades of the house. Each house he, he just walks very close by so as not to be seen. He glides from house to house. The Litvak not far behind him. The Litvak hears the sound of his own heartbeats, mingling with the sound of the Rebbe's steps. But he keeps on going and follows the Rebbe to the outskirts of the town. And on the outskirts of the town, a small wood, wooden house stands just outside the town, a shack, a ramshackle hut. The rabbi, Tzalanga Yoran Long Lightsim, enters the wooden hut. 
and then steps out. And then he goes to the wooded area around it. He takes several steps, sees a small tree, and by the woods he stops by the small tree. Now the Litok is overcome by amazement. What is he looking at? What does he see in that hut? And what does he want from the wooded area now? He watches the rabbi take out the axe from his belt and strike the tree. He's chopping the tree into logs, and the logs into sticks. What is going on? Then he makes a bundle of the wooden ties, ties it with the long rope in his pocket. He puts the bundle of wood on his back, shoves the axe back into his belt, and returns to the town in that small wooden shack. And now, at his small, broken-down shack, he knocks at the window. Who? Who's there? Asks a frightened voice. The Litvak recognizes it recognizes the voice. It's the voice of a sick, elderly Jewish woman. I, answers the rabbi in an accent of a peasant. Who, who, who is I? Again, the rabbi answers in Russian. It is I, Vasil. Who, who is Vasil? And, and what do you want? Oh, I have wood to sell. Very cheap, very cheap wood. And I... Waiting for the woman's reply, he goes right into the house, and he says, "May I please show you my wood?" Litvak goes in right after him. In the gray light of early morning, he sees a poor woman with broken down, miserable furnishings. It's a shack on the outside, and on the inside, it's even more ramshackle. A sickly woman, wrapped in rags, lies on the bed, and she complains, "I." Buy, but how can I buy? Where will the poor mother get money to buy even a little bit of wood? Oh, I'll lend it to you, answers the supposed Russell. It is only six cents. Well, how will I ever pay you back? Says the woman. I have nothing. I, I, I give you nothing. You can see that. Oh, don't be foolish, my good woman. I see that you are a in sick, poor Jew, don't worry. Your God takes care of you. I'm ready to trust you with a little wood. Don't worry. I am sure you'll pay. And uh, while you you have such a great and mighty God, you don't trust him for six pennies. <laughs> he will pay back. Don't worry. Your God is great. Now remember, this is the Rebbe, and he's pretending that he is a Russian peasant. And then the woman says, And who will kindle the fire? asked the Almana. Have I even the strength to get up? My, my son is at work. I'll kindle the fire, answers the rabbi. And as the rabbi put the wood into the oven, he recited with a groan and a sigh the first section of Slechus for that morning. And as he kindled the fire and the wood burned brightly, he recited a little bit more joyously the second part of Slichus for that morning. And when the fire was set, then he said the third portion of Slichus for that morning. And then he shut the stove. The Litvak who saw all this became, can you believe it? After he saw this, he became a Talmud of the Rebbe. When he saw all this, he became a Talmud of the Rebbe. And even after, when another Talmud tells how the Rebbe of Nimrod 
ascends to the Shemayim at the time of Slichas, the Litvak who had once made fun of it. Oh, he doesn't laugh anymore. He only adds quietly, if not higher, if not higher. That's the story, my friends. Were you moved by it? I was. Think about what it means. What does it mean to you? What do these days mean to you? Share your thoughts with us. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. If not higher. This is Parents B, a.k.a. the Reb. The Reb of the cause, and the cause is you. I don't claim to know everything, but you can't talk to me about anything. Thanks for joining the Revolution. And don't forget, you can pre-order my All for the Boss Young Readers Edition, the narration with uh, narration by yours truly. And uh, it's really a wonderful story for everybody. I'll be sending it out to everybody very shortly. But if you call, I'm sending out free copies, but if you call today, you can order your free uh, pre-sale edition by calling 848-221-4605, 848-221-4605 after 11 o'clock today in place of order. And of course, anybody that calls today, first five callers will call to respond to the story or anything else that's on your mind that you'd like to explain. Everybody, parents, B A K, the Reb. Thanks for joining the revolution. Hi, good morning, good year to you. Hi, how are you? Hello. All right, we're at seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. If you've got a reaction to that story or um, comment Hello. before, yes. Hi, how are you? Yes, how are you? Good morning. I'm sorry, what? I was really inspired by the story. Ah, you enjoyed it? Me too. Really? I was driving. I had to pull over. Uh, Ah, what what did you get out of the story? It's just uh, the greatness of the rabbi. Or the the greatness of the rabbi, or what it means to be most nefesh for, for another year. Yeah, he just, like, put himself behind, like, he didn't even think about himself. He just thought about the end. Totally selfless. And that's what 
all of us kind of uh, are, right? I'm sure in in our own lives we see people that, that do that that we don't even realize. To think about another yet here, you would wonder where the rabbi is on Slichus. And what's he doing? He's going and helping uh, a on and saying his Slichus. That, in fact, was his greatest chilla, as he said, the Slichus. So I want to thank you for that. And if you leave your name and number, if you haven't before, if you have, let us know. And I want to send you out a copy when it's done with the, for the boss for, uh, for kids. Hi, this is Parents B. Thanks for joining us this morning. Hello. All right, well, that was nice. You can call and tell us your reaction to that story, if you'd like, or any other thoughts that you have prior to Yamadin. What would you like to share? What are you grateful for? What's something that you'd like to improve this year that maybe maybe you feel there's some stumbling blocks in your way and you'd like to just just have them removed? What would you like to work through? Maybe we can talk about working through some of the things that you'd like to accomplish that haven't as yet. I know there's so much more that I would like to accomplish. I can only daven, pray that a Kaddish Baruch will give me the opportunity to do that. And I'd ask for what you too is that you daven for me as well, Paris Baruch and Rotavio Levi, that I should be able to accomplish those things as well. You have my tools that you should be able to accomplish that which you wish to accomplish. So what would you like to accomplish that you haven't yet, that you'd like to try and, and accomplish this year? You'd like Hashem to help you with. Let's talk it through. Maybe we can give some sound advice that might be able to be of some benefit. Or your reaction to that story, or thing that you're grateful for at this time of year that you'd like to acknowledge and say thank you for. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. All right, Iran, let's take that musical break, and then we will be right back. Take care, and thank you very much. We'll be back soon. This is Paris B.
All right, everybody. This is Terrence B. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. Hi, Alan. Anybody on the line with us? Hello? Hello. Hi, this is Perrins B. Uh, okay. We are moving right ahead. I want to thank um, the people who called in to express their cause of talk to J-Root and to, to everybody for all the good that, uh, that they wanted to acknowledge. And for the person who called in and was nice enough to say they appreciated the if not higher story. What did you think of that if not higher story? What do you learn from it? What do you learn about being Nosa Olga Javero and what it means to accept upon our souls the burden of somebody else of another year? I've seen it so many times, and we hope we'll be Zaka to be the ones that will carry the all for our friends. But I want to thank all those people who I know who, um, in just so many remarkable ways, saw a need, um, particularly in my own life. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to know that there are people like that, and I hope I'll be like that as well. I'm thinking of two people in particular, something that they, they saw without even asking me if I, or even one of two people, without even asking me if, if I needed it, and they just said, don't worry about it, um, this, we're going to take care of that. Before I knew it, it was, I, I mean, it was so moving, I wish, I, I can't even describe it to you. I mean, I could, but I don't want to put people on the spot. But I just tell you, Somebody saw something that was needed, and they took the responsibility to go and take care of it, just like this reputed with the with the wood. He saw what was needed, and that became his avoider. What's that saying that somebody else's gashmius is yomuchnius? Anyway, you know, I'm thinking back to a number of years ago. There was a very large radio station in New York, and a friend of mine who was running for political office asked me if I could do a an advertisement, an infomercial to promote his campaign. He's a very, very wonderful person. And because I knew there was a, a lot at stake, I felt I had to make my best effort to help him. Because he was and is somebody who is a, a very caring individual, does care about the Jewish community, and at that point thought he could express it best through political aspirations. And as it turns out, he's able to accomplish a lot more in... In, in other venues while he still has his hand in the ring. But the point was that it was something that was important to a friend of mine. And going against my better judgment, even though it was for a friend of mine, it was Erev Rosh Hashanah that we had to record this thing because as it turned out that year, uh, this particular election was going to be between Rosh Hashanah and, and Yom Kippur. So I remember getting a really, really early, as most of us do, on Erev Rosh Hashanah and taking care of whatever I had to be taking care of. And then I zipped into Manhattan and uh, was on my way to record the show. It was only going to take a short time, and I would have been back by um, by 11 o'clock in the morning, as it were, anyway. I, whether I would do it again, I don't know. I mean, unless it was really, you know, the course of Netflix or somebody. But that's not the point. There I was at this major radio station, which... Um, well, well, I don't have to go into what the name of the radio station was. But at that point in time, it was one of the major New York radio stations. And there was a um, there was some people standing outside, people waiting to go into their respective studios to record their shows before Rosh Hashanah. And all the people that were there were doing Jewish shows. And I remember seeing one particular elderly couple. And... Um, I recognized them from from their their stage names, and 
as we were just talking, waiting to go into our respective studios to record our programs, the the elderly woman says to me, and they were, by, by the dress, they were obviously not particularly observant, but they were steeped in in Yiddishisms, if not Yiddishkeit, which is something I'm pretty familiar with. And uh, what was fascinating about it was that the woman says to me, oh, you must, uh, she asked me where I was, I told her where I lived, and she said, oh, well, yes, there's a large Jewish community there. She said, that's going to be, you, you must have a lot of children. And at that point, Kinnaner, we had, you know, had, we had, uh, had we we had, we had we had some children. The point we were still invited. We were We had more after. Um, but the point was, she looked at me wearing a yarmulke and understood. Oh, this is a this is a from you. Okay, that's great. I'm proud of that. She said, "But you must have a lot of children." And I thought that was an interesting thing to you know pick up. And I said, uh, "Well, you know, we have we have some kids, and God help you, have to have more." And then she looked at me with a rueful look in her eye. She said, she loves children. And she really, she really, really, uh, really does love children. And she did, while she didn't say it, you could see in her eyes that she was about to say she wished she would have had them. But she didn't say that. She just said, but she felt her career came first. And after all, she couldn't make room for both. She said it as though she were expecting me to make like a comment. They didn't. I just kind of lowered my eyes and said, "Oh." But you could tell by the way she said it that she was regretful. And I thought about you know all the people I know who would have given up any career to have a career as a as a mother. All the people I know who knew who were trying so hard to have that little pitzel and to have those kids because they knew the most precious thing in the world is a Jewish child. I mean, if a person can't, then that's the sign that a college board gives a person. And, you know, we, our hearts go out to, to people, to those people, and hope that they will have children. But if a person can't but tries, it's as if they did have children. That's counted as a mitzvah for them in the Shemayim. But a person who didn't try and thought their career was the most important thing in the world, never, never. I felt so badly for her. And her husband, a uh, cute little guy standing next to her. They were all, you know, primed and ready to go for their show and their Rosh Hashanah talking about the uh, the different moichels, different food that people would eat on Rosh Hashanah and the traditions and the honey cake. And it was, you know, very, very interesting, very nice, very schmaltzy, but nothing to do with Yiddishkeit. And when I left that studio, I felt like crying. I really felt like crying. Never. Somebody who understood, grew up in the midst of what Yiddishkeit was, and all they were left with was the Yiddish, without the Yiddishkeit? Never, never. What did they have? Never. I can only hope they did chew them before their last moments. What can I tell you? You know, I went to a Yiddishist camp. Um, one of the fellows there today actually is a film guy who was very prominent in the Jewish music field. But most of the people there, most of the people there were kind of like, what should I say, these Yiddishists, the Yom Kippur Balls, which I should be rocking, I don't even want to talk about, the people who thought Yiddish was the be-all and end-all of Yiddishkeit. What did they have? 
without Yiddishkeit. What is Yiddish? Anyway, just a thought I, I wanted to share with you. But let's just talk about some of the other things that are germane to what we're coming up on now. And let's look at a, uh, a thought from the Daily Dose of Torah, which I think is, uh, is, is certainly relevant for what we're talking about in this time of year, and you'll see exactly how. And so the Daily Dose of Torah, it's, uh, in today's portion, it's of him, where it says that regarding the Pesukim that, um, that many commentators question about, somebody who hears the declaration where the word Ela would react by reassuring himself rather than being seized with trepidation when it's talking about the Kralas, remember? The person has to know that Hashem punishes those people that do of errors, and he rewards those people that do misses. So, why does a person think that Hashem is going to overlook of errors? So, Ksav Sefer explains that we see in our own times many people who suffer the, the bitterness of gullus, of exile, and the hatred of the Goyim that concluded that all this suffering is a result of the Jews' self-imposed religious and social separation. You want to know why you like that? You keep yourself separate away from everybody else. You don't eat with them. You don't drink with them. You don't intermarry. In general, we keep our distance and follow a different lifestyle. That's why they hate you. That's why. Punks are cared. These misguided people contend that the iron barrier separating us. These misguided people contend that this iron barrier separating us, built and fortified by the Torah and Mitzvahs, is what causes the animosity to the nations. No, it's exactly the opposite. They foolishly think that if only we would remove the restraints of the Torah and adopt the ways of the, the non-Jews, oh, then we'd be warmly accepted. Just be like us. Well, thank you. Yeah, we've seen that, right? This error has been compounded because in certain places the nations have lightened the yoke of persecution. They've even stretched out a fraternal hand. Just come to us, my good brothers seemingly inviting us to be one of their people. You know, it's a bankrupt idea. You know how many Yidin took hold of it? And they tried to gain acceptance by the non-Jewish countrymen by banning the torn missus. You know where they were? Yeah, you know where they were. However, Sheker grace is false and beauty is vain. You know, all the pleasantness that we see all the, you think the Gishmakites, it's a bunch of Nourishkites, except for the real Gishmakites in Toyota. That's right! Oh, come on, what do you mean, Derek? You don't know all the Gishmak besides Tyra? All the Gishmak is in the Tyra. I met a, a kid who was starting Gomorrah yesterday, maybe a seven or eight-year-old kid. I said, how you doing? He said, I just started Gomorrah. I said, do you like it? He said, yes, Gishmak, I really like it. You ask this kid what the sweetest thing in the world is. He doesn't need that other garbage. But we think, oh, you got to have this. You gotta, okay, listen, you want to have a the steak? Enjoy it. You can have a great steak. It's there for you. You can have a, a wonderful, loving, warm relationship. That's what getting married is about. You can take a trip to Florida. You can take a... <laughs> no stopping you. And, of course, the greatest place to be in the world is Eretz Yisrael. You can have a great time wherever you are, whatever you're doing. But it's all through and in the Torah. Everything else is garnished and nished. It's just one big Lego set. <laughs> I give out. You know, Leib Malach and Biyad Hashem. The hearts of kings are in Hashem's hands. You think it's going to be Trump or this guy? Come on, will you? 
the Avis is pulling the string. He's going to make the one that's the right one. We only daven that it should be the right one. It's only our adherence to mitzvahs that offers us protection in difficult times. Nothing else. And tshuva, and my theme toivim, that's the mugging against calamity. That is it. Nothing else. There isn't any Iran deal, Shman deal, this guy, this congressman that voted for it, this congressman that didn't vote for it. Oh, we 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 didn't vote for it. I feel badly for those guys, but that's not what's going to make the difference. Your tshuva is what's going to make the difference. In this light, we can understand Moshe Ben is warning as follows. Ben Yesh Echem, Ish, O Isha, Asher Levavo Ponayom, Unless there be among you a man or a woman whose heart turns away from Hashem, and then thus when he hears that he will be punished for his bearers with exile, oppression, and servitude, so then he's going to rationalize. Instead of admitting it, he's going to rationalize that he can avoid these punishments and live peacefully among the Gaiyim, among the nations, as long as he walks in the same path they walk. We're going to walk hand in hand, you and me, yes, you and me together. I don't, are you out of your mind? Unfettered with restraints and tenets of the Torah? It's only the guidelines of the Torah that keep us on a straight path. It's delusional to think otherwise. And those delusions are going to cost the person dearly. Because the purpose, the whole purpose of Gullahs is what? The whole purpose of Gullahs is to motivate Shuva. That's why a person is in Gullahs. When Hashem offered Avram Avinu a choice, <coughs> a choice as to whether he wished his descendants to suffer subjugation in this world, or Gehenim and the next with his sins, what did Avram Avinu choose? What did Avram Avinu choose? Subjugation in this world, or Gehenim in the next world of Averis? Okay, you know the answer to that. Avra Vinut shows subjugation. Gullus serves as an atonement, as an atonement, a kapora for Averis. That's why the Gro and many other greats used to go away from their houses during Elul as a kapora, as Gullus. That's why Sukkah, sitting in your Sukkah, acts as a way of going into Gullus as well. Avram chose subjugation. Exile serves as an atonement, a kapora for Averis so that we can avoid Oynush in the next world, and that's everlasting. Now, I want you to, to follow this copper on with me, okay? This is true for a person who has sinned because of error or weakness. A person fell. Everybody falls. But one who has cast away the Torah to save himself from the oppression of exile, that person is going to have nothing, according to Chazal. Suffering in this world will be the person's lot low lane, because he cannot escape Hashem's communal decree. And he'll also be punished, Lo'oleinu, in the future world. Because Gullus does not suffice to atone for his utter rejection of the Torah. <laughs> so the Pusik states, Lo Yover Hashem Slachlo. Powerful. Hashem will not be willing to forgive him. <laughs> Hashem will not allow his sins to be atoned for, Lo'oleinu. That should never happen to any of us. We'll. But despite the suffering and pain of the Gullus, in addition to the punishment of Gullus, Hashem will exact punishment for sins in the afterlife. That's pretty powerful. We can avoid all that. Do tshuva now. Tshuva, tefillin, tzedakah, mavirnas, or gazera. That's what we got to do. And this is serious business. So you know what tshuva you have to do. I know what tshuva I have to do. We're not here to tell each other what tshuva we have to do. One of the things we can do is to share our chorus of tov. I want to say thank you to my my wife, my family, my kids, grandchildren, to my friends, 
for the people that call in this broadcast, to every person that ever opened the door for me, that ever did anything for me, one of my good friends, I remember when I was going through a, a particularly tough time, this fellow had a, had, he had some, some money that uh, his parents were shown had left over, and he needed it very, very much for himself. He went and he took it without even asking me, just handed it to me and said, I know, I know you could use this now. Don't ever think about paying it back. There's a person. There's a person who I have tremendous across the tough war. And uh, my material for him is that a country borrower could pay him back many, many times over. He has, and hopefully will continue to do so. I mean, he, he once told me, very recently, he said, let, let me ask you something. You have kids that are from me, kids that are on the dark? And I, and I, I, I smiled. And then I, I thought about his kids, which are, you know, double digits, can I know? And every one of them is a tired kid. Some have some you know, more challenges than others. But they're all gold and diamonds. And he looked at me with a smile, because he knows his kids are, and he says, I'm a gazillionaire. And don't think that I'm just saying that. I'm a gazillionaire. If you have kids that are learning tired, you are a gazillionaire. Maybe kids that went a little off, don't worry, you're still a gazillionaire because there's the show they're going to come back. You don't have kids, you're still a gazillionaire. You know why? Because you wanted to have them. And uh, you're helping other kids by helping them to be on the job, by supporting Tom Turner. You know, one of the things that we can do is help other people overcome their fears. It says, Vayel Eif Moshe. Even as it explains that before Moshe died, he went to each Shevet to notify them that he was about to die. But they should not be afraid because he was leaving them with Yeshua who would be a reliable leader. We, my friends, can learn from Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, whenever we see that somebody has fears, and this is a chesed we can do to anybody and everybody, we should do all that we can to alleviate those fears. Not just by mocking them that way, by not giving validation to them, but by reassuring them and helping them overcome those fears. Moshe knew that even if they felt fear, it was based on an error. He knew that Yeshua would be a capable and devoted leader, and that people could trust him. Nevertheless, fear is a painful emotion, as you and I both know. It's an act of chesed to help a person overcome it, because it's so painful that it's us to cause the unnecessary fear. So never laugh at somebody because they're afraid. What do you of? Mocking him will just cause them more emotional pain. By becoming skilled at helping others and themselves of their fears, helping others to rid themselves of their fears, you'll be able to fulfill more acts of kindness. So let's make that one of the things we can do. And I'm going to leave the next two minutes open for you. If you have any type of fear, again, I don't claim to know everything, let's talk it through and see if at least give you some bolstering and encouragement. What are you afraid of? I'm not talking about being afraid of a country world. That's a fear you don't want to overcome. You want to get have more of that. But what's the fear that you have now that you would like to overcome? Let's see if we can talk it through and just... Uh, help and encourage each other to overcome whatever fears we might have. 718-683-5858. Do you have a fear, something that you're intimidated by, something that you're afraid that's a challenge, a fear that you have? I'm not talking about if you need deep therapy and, you know, you're acrophobic. I'm not too sure I can help you on that right, you know, in, in a shorter time. But you have something that you're afraid of that you're, that you're daunted by. What is it? Let's talk about it. Let's see in the next couple of minutes if we can talk it through. We have time for one or two phone calls. Call right now. What are you afraid of? What would you like to overcome? And let's see if we can encourage each other how to overcome it. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. 
And I'd like all of you to uh, call in if you can right now. And don't forget to call my line to order your offer the boss Young Readers Edition narration that I did at a free store price. 718 is the number here. And to order the book, call 848 Of course, if you call in now and you leave us your name and number just by being one of the callers, we're going to send you out a free, free copy. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. This is Terrence B., a.k.a. The Reb. 718-683-5858. Rubena Yona says that a person shouts down, he shouts down the the things that are raging as tigers. A person says that they've been cruel to their own precious neshama and have sullied it with the impurities of the Yitzhah. What's a person's accomplishments in this world if he's evil in the eyes of his master? How, how could a person have bartered an eternal world for a transitory one? Whatever they become. That's part of the vidu that we say. But you know what? We say to a Kaddish Baruch I want to be good. I want to be great. I want to be your servant. This is Terence B. See the rest is commentary, as Hillel said. Now go and learn.